0: Is in the locker room
1: with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio.
2: Welcome back, everybody, for the second of our, second hour of In the Locker Room with Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas, ESPN Pittsburgh Steelers Nation Radio. We're so excited at this time. Good friend of the show, good buddy, a former Penn State coach. Former Steelers coach, UCLA coach, West Virginia. You're all over the place, Tom Bradley. Scrap, it's good to have you in the locker room, brother. Good to
0: have you. We also beat you, Wolf, when you were a cheerleader.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, 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 <laughs> stabbeth thou me in my heart. Okay. Wait,
3: wait, 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 wait. Wait, go back. Hey, Max. You know,
0: he texted me yesterday, he thought the show was yesterday. And this is what happens on off weeks, okay? It's like when Wolf played. Like on off off weeks, they had to go on the first sound. Maybe one, but never two, because
3: that would have screwed them all up. Had to go
2: in the first sound of the off week. Oh, oh man. Ouch, oh, man, ouch, you know. What can I say? You know, I just <laughs> I got smacked on, but as always, it's good it's good to have the coach in the house. Uh Tom, you know, Looking at at bye week, what was what did bye week represent to you as a coach? what What was what was your goals when you entered into the bye week? Yeah,
0: you know, it's a little different on each level, whether it was college or pro. You know, but, but number one is get healthy you know, correct mistakes, uh, you know, those type of things that you wanted to make sure that you, because you had the time to really go through it. And not only, you know, mistakes of the players, but mistakes of the coaches too, you know, get together with your guys and say, hey, what can we do better first? You know, it's always good to look in in the mirror before you look out the window, you know, so um, I think that's a good start to an off week. And then obviously, as you guys know, get healthy is the key.
2: No question about it
0: absolutely and,
1: and you know the other thing is to, you know when we're looking at you know kind of assessing what we would consider the first half even though we know we have 11 games after this so it's not really a first half I mean where do you assess kind of the Steelers defense as a whole like what what do you see as some of the positives and and what are some of the areas you think that they could they could do well to work on in this bye week
0: I think, you know, obviously, if they can get a couple of their guys back and healthy and everybody playing again, I, I think this is going to be a really good defense, okay? But fundamentally, it's a good week to work on fundamentally. I'm sure, uh, you know, Coach Butler and Coach Tallman, those guys weren't weren't happy with the tackling last week of, of that. Fundamental things, getting off blocks, you know, they got knocked off the ball a little bit last week. And I think there's some of the things they'll work on, you know, this week and the off week and emphasizing those points, uh, to get better on defense, because as you guys know, you know that the, the tackling part I'm sure bothers uh, the defensive coaches
2: the most. Tom, what do you do to rectify the situation in a day and age when, when you and I were out there playing? Uh, okay, we had bad tackling. Let's go tackle some people. You know, what I mean, that's the way it was done. You go live, you go hard, you get you get it done. Now you can't do it. So what? How do you approach a practice? When you know that you can't afford to go tackling live,
0: well, you know that's a, that's a great question. Wolf, because you know in college because you have more bodies and you have the red shirt guys who want to beat you anyway. You know what I mean? Right. They give you a great look and you can really work on it. You know, but and they don't mind getting tackled. But in the NFL, you don't have those kind of bodies, so you really have to do a great job trying to simulate your drill somehow. Um, and, and it's not an easy thing to do because you're certainly not going to tackle your own guys. Right. So it, it's 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 an assimilation period, and that's just something if you you know you just want to keep emphasizing every play, whether it be on the practice field, in your film session, you know, to the guys, and just making it a, it a big point of emphasis not only this week but throughout the remainder of the season.
2: You know, just uh, real quick, uh, Max is going to jump in here, but um, I wanted to ask, okay, you used to say, what was it, feet, hands, head, right? Did I get that right?
0: It's usually feet, face, hands. You know, feet, face, what hands. Okay. tackle with your feet, really. You know, you got to bring your feet. In. If you're out of sequence in any way, then you get overextended, you know, if your hands are leading. Uh, and, you know, we'll, it's not much different than really, you know, blocking, you know what I'm saying? Cause right. You, really bring, you know, it's very similar. Except we, we're allowed, on defense, we're allowed to hold uh, You call it clutching. You call it clutching.
1: You grasping. It clutching. Grasping.
0: It, 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 it,
3: it,
1: it, it is clutching and grasping. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got it's, it. anti, it's the anti-hold, Tom. It's the anti-hold. Yes. Well, you know, I think,
0: I think one of the things you want to do is you, you try, I think the important thing is to bring your feet when you tackle and, you know, making sure that you're running through, not to, uh, those are some things that you really want to emphasize uh, if you're going to be a good tackler. And then again, angles too, you know, and uh, and, and most of the times, especially in the secondary, you're not getting the shots. You get up with the linebackers. You know, each each phase is a little different type of tackling. You know, in the secondary, you know, you're always looking for that that outside leg, not the inside leg, you know, because you want to drive through it. And they're, you know, they're, that, they're more open field so it's a different style of tackling there
2: too no question about it so yeah. Tom let me ask you this now because I want to get your perspective on it um real quick uh, uh Robert Spillane why would they play a, a Robert Spillane in a dime when the soul is that to my understanding they brought in Joe Shobert because they felt that Robert had some coverage deficiencies but yet here he is evolving as a dime linebacker. And by the way, I'm a very big Robert Spillane fan. I think he should be playing more, no question about it. I'm just, fine. I'm just trying to get a perspective on how, how can you d- divvy up the division of labor, as Mike Tomlin calls it, and specify to play to the advantages that a player brings by his talents.
0: Well, I'm going to agree with you about Robert Spillane. I think he's an excellent football player getting better. I think it is the division of labor that they're trying to, you know, Divvy out there, you know, with uh, how much they want to use Devin and Joe, and Marcus and Robert, you know, and, and and I think that that's just kind of the way it's working right now. I don't. Maybe it won't work after the off week. Maybe they'll go with a different number of reps, as you know. But you know, they're trying to keep everybody healthy and keep them involved. And I think Robert, maybe this may be his niche, and they feel like, okay, I get Robert in there, and and uh, he can take some snaps away and give our other guys a little bit of a blow here and there, and, and let's try to keep everybody involved and healthy.
1: Yeah, Tom. You, when we're looking at the secondary, and, and we, we were talking about the young guys, we're kind of doing a young guy grade report card earlier. Um, just give me your thoughts as we get here, six games in. Right, we have a we have a we have a body of work, not a, not a tremendous body of work, but a body of work to go off of. When you look at the progression of Trey Norwood, James Pierre, and the way Arthur Millette, how they've inserted themselves into this secondary. This you know, there's a pretty good secondary when you think of Minka, Terrell. You got Joe, and you have Cam. That's your, that's your shell four. But these three have worked themselves into a niche to where they're getting more playing time early on, and that's usually not seen at young guys, especially in this type of defense.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. You're right with Joe, Terrell, Mink, and, and Cam. you got your, your big four right there, but you need these guys from nickels and different packages and things. And, and I think that Coach Austin's done an excellent job with, with Trey and James and Arthur, bringing those three guys along, getting them in the right spots, getting them a chance to have some success. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that just, the, the, the one guy I've been really impressed with is watching James get better and better every week. And it's been kind of fun to watch his development.
2: You know, he is one of the guys, yes, I would agree with you. He's really taken advantage of his opportunities to come along. And uh, what, what I love is is watching a young man succeed when he's had a little bit of adversity. And in one day, I mean, <clears throat> the, the James Pierre from – running down a guy from behind to getting beat on a touchdown to making an interception on the last play of the game, that's all part of the education of an NFL cornerback. But it takes a lot of inner gumption there to be able to survive those tremendous uh, emotional swings that have to accompany being a guy that, you know, you don't make the play, then you do make the play. And it says something about that kid, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it sure does. You know, you know, in corner, it's a, it's a lonely world out there. Okay? Yeah. Um, you know, you're all alone all day. Uh, and you just got to, you know, kind of put it behind you, get ready for the next play. Because if you don't, if you dwell on the last one, then there's going to be another bad thing happen. So he's he's really, you know, for a guy who came in, uh, you know, just unheard of, you know, to be able to do what he's done to make the progress he made. You got to give a lot of credit to, to, to Terrell and the staff and how, the way they brought him along.
2: Tom when you take a look at what the Steelers have been doing defensively the problems they've had you think about uh, okay let's go back to the Raiders you know you held them to 13 points in the first half then they scored more you know you go to the Denver game and again it's similar you're you're you're, you're basically pitching close to a shutout in the first half the second half again they come out and and almost win the game seattle same thing 65 yards in the total yards in the first half and then you have issues in the second half especially in the run game how do you turn a defense around and say okay fellas we've got to do a better job of shutting down uh the, the the run shutting down the 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 uh offenses in the second half like we did in the first what happens between the first and second half
0: well, I think they'll emphasize that. I think Coach Tomlin will make sure they understand. Hey, this is a full game. <laughs> we got four yeah. quarters to play here, and I, and, I, and that's just going to be a point of emphasis as they as they go along here. And, and uh, you know, the other team they make adjustments too. You have to always give them credit. Okay, what they're doing. But I, I look for. I think it's it's just the maturation of this defense and how they're going to be developing. And I think a couple things. You know, they can get. I know it's always next man up, but boy. You know, you miss some of them those that one big guy up front, it Right?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you know, I hate to say that, but boy, he he is a he's a force and a guy that had what I think eleven sacks last year. You know, and just a great talent. I think that w- that would help your second half performance if you had it back too.
2: Exactly. So you know, one of the things I've always said was I thought that Stefan Tuit was one of those guys who, you match him up with Cam Hayward, and it's it's really one plus one equals three. And what their productive level becomes, because they are both more than just your average ball players. They they are so productive together, and uh, you know it, it's such a, a hard thing because for, for if I'm the opposing coordinator, it's pick your poison. Who do you want to double team? Because the other guy's going to have an opportunity to win a, a, a you know a single block. So who do you want to pick on and, and try to stop?
0: Well, not only that, but it helps. Boy, playing behind those guys as linebackers is a nice life. Uh, is a nice life because they they don't get off on you. You know, they take, they command those double teams. Okay, and so it gives you a chance to to run around a little bit more. And everybody forgets, you know, the, uh, the linebackers make a lot of tackles, but somebody up front is is doing a heck of a job. You know, holding those double teams and at point of attack and not getting knocked off the ball, so they're not back in your lap and you're able to make those plays.
2: You know, one of the things that I, I find fascinating is watching, you know, what the guys up front doing. It was just like you said in the third quarter against Seattle, um, there were some guys that were going backwards and creating those gaps. Even when it went to their base okay you got your 3 4. Uh, you got a problem when your nose tackle gets turned in a single block by your center as easy as I thought Isaiah Bugs did. I, I thought Isaiah was coming on here, but it really, again, elevates the loss of of what Tyson Aluoglu meant to this defense, especially in their base okey.
0: Well, there's no question about it. He, he's a guy that I don't think people realize how good a football player he was. You know, with, with him and it not being there, it, it, it's a little bit of a difference. If you're playing linebacker, you'd sure like to have those guys in front of you because they're excellent at what they do.
2: What do you think the message was uh, after the third quarter that that, uh, you've been around Cam Hayward on the sidelines? You know what he's like. Um, Cam was asked, you know, did you have anything to say? And I'm thinking that a face melt from Cam Hayward might well be one of the corrective measures that was taken to um, come out in the fourth quarter and pitch three straight, three and outs, defensively speaking, after – pretty much getting run off the field in the third quarter. It takes a real turnaround and attitude and in being able to get the job done.
0: He, he you got to give him credit. He's a heck of a football player and a, and a heck of a leader and a guy that, uh, you know, I was reading an article today. Well, he, he's not a hall of famer. They're out of their mind. I mean, that guy, I mean, that guy to me is a hall of fame, right? Sometimes you, you know, you know, sometimes stats, you know, don't tell the whole tale.
3: Right. Of what type of
0: football player you are. And, uh, the respect he commands, not only on the field from the opponents, but the respect he commands from his fellow teammates, you know, can can really make for a better football team.
1: All right, yeah, Tom. I mean, yeah, I mean, you you can't you can't quantify it. I think you know what Cam has has meant to this squad, but you know, just kind of as a final question, just when you look at the schedule ahead. Uh you you have Cleveland coming up. Obviously we're gonna get a, a look at them tonight on Thursday night football against Denver, who we've already played. You know, what do you make of the Cleveland opponent? I mean their defense is their defense, but they, they've been banged up and nicked up, you know, in the secondary, you know, obviously we know the Baker Mayfield issues and him kind of breaking his own HIPAA rules, uh Kareem Hunt going on IR and Nick Chubb being banged up. I mean, how do you view this Cleveland team? Um as a threat when we're talking about the game coming up uh, next week?
0: Well, I think we're getting Cleveland at the right time here, okay, because it's they seem to be unsettled. They don't seem to be the arrow pointing up, as they say. They just don't seem to be they're up and down. It's not a very consistent team right now, and I, and I think it's going to be good for us coming off the bye week. We go up to Cleveland and, uh, you know, the situation they're in and be able to see where they are. But, uh, you know, that, that's interesting because I believe that these next, and then you go Chicago, Detroit at home, and then you're at L.A., these next four games are going to, you know, kind of put the Steelers in the position I believe they want to be in to make make a run for the playoffs.
2: Well, he's the man whose Penn Staters <laughs> whipped my Syracusans, even when I was there. <laughs> Hey, t- Coach, thanks for coming into the locker room. We appreciate you, brother.
1: Thanks, Tom. Hey,
0: by the way, hey Wolf, it was nice that we had uh, Bruce Clark and Matt Millen in front. Okay. So- yeah,
2: oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. by the way, hey, Tom, you should have seen my sophomore year. One of my genius <laughs> offensive line coaches came up with the idea of, of me playing the strong side tackle, so I would flip. It was like a beatdown in stereo with those two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's oh that's just great. Let's just go over here with Clark. Oh okay, we'll go over there with Millen. You know, both of them. It's a, it's a fight to the death just to be able to stay on the field with those guys. Oh man. Uh,
0: well, Max has got to be wondering what did we talk about on our show.
2: <laughs> you know, that's this is what ramnesia sounds like. You know what I mean? What are you gonna do?
1: You know, I imagine if 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 I was on a show with my buddies and we played across you know enemy lines, this would this would be about the band. This is that, what that it would sound this like exactly. All these later (laughs) yes
2: all right coach thank you so much man appreciate you brother have a great day all right you too man all right we'll be back with more wolf starks and the ninjas in the locker room
1: Darks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio.
2: Welcome back, everybody. And of course, when you hear that beautiful music playing along, Max is grooving to it. He's uh, up and dancing and got his groove on. As, they, as the as the young people, I need to find people. a
1: yacht, Wolf. I need <laughs> to find a yacht because I need to listen to <clears> this. <throat> And I need to walk around with an adult beverage and just look out at the sun setting across as it melts into the water. That's what I get those vibes, A, when I talk to Jerry, but then B, when I hear the music.
2: Exactly. Well, we're efforting Jerry. Uh, so yeah. at this point in time, it's still you and me. But, you know, just because you brought that up, again, where would you go if you were still playing today? Today would be, I think, the last practice day for the guys. Now they're vaminos, They're going out of town. It's, uh, everybody... Oh, the flights
1: at twelve twenty. The flights at twelve twenty. Wolf, <laughs> the bags are packed. Everybody's <laughs> raring hey, to go. Hey, we talk about we talk about one foot in the parking lot. This is that day where the one foot it ha- has has extended. My whole body is in the parking lot. My head is still in the meeting room, <laughs> listening to what they're saying as I walk out. Uh, at this point, when it comes by week, I mean, you know, and I I would always you know on the by weeks more often than not, I would usually go back home to Florida. Hmm. Um. Just because it was, you know, you had water there. You had sunshine. You had a relaxing right. atmosphere more often than not. And then, and, you know, and then as I got older, obviously, I probably stayed home more, you know, and did something with my wife where we found some, like, little staycation thing that we could do, go to Nimicolin or something. Oh, yeah. But young days, yeah, boom, I was gone. I was, I was down south. I wanted warmer weather because it was usually a little bit colder when we got the buy Because we normally got the buys um, back when I played. And it was, like, November-ish. So you're getting that chill. It's like, uh, nah, let me go defrost because I know I'm I'm about to freeze myself when I come back here for the second half of the season.
2: You know, I always loved Nassau in the Bahamas. You know what I mean? Uh, Just head down there. And what I loved was you could be there, leave Thursday afternoon and be, oh, at a nice restaurant Thursday night, overlooking the beach, you know, and stay there Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and fly back on Sunday and it, you know it's not too long of a flight and you're there and it's yeah. white sand and palm palm trees and you know blue water you'll love that i, I, I to me that's that's jerk what i would do man would have
1: been my thing where, you know, was that junk, jerk chicken oh you know, yeah my that's a caribbean dish and then you have what they call a junk canoe right in, in the bahamas they have a junk canoe it's it's kind of like a little carnival type of festival where they come out they dance and people do kind of like a street festival and oh, yeah. you have all these different stalls so you get your jerk chicken you get your peas and rice and you sit down you have some plantains and you ha- and you listen to the steel drums and people I love reforming. the steel drums. Uh yeah yeah no the Bahamas is is a beautiful place. It, it, all of the Caribbean is beautiful but yeah the, I used to go to the Bahamas every Easter as a kid. Oh wow. Um, because my aunt lived in Miami Okay. and we would actually take what they did they had it was almost like a ferry, fancy ferry so to speak. It was like a small cruise ship. And they would take us from Miami to Nassau, and you just mm. ride on the boat for the day, and that's what we would do every Easter as a big family. That was our family trip down to the Bahamas uh, on one of the ferries. We'd go to my aunt's house and then leave from there.
2: That's really cool. that would that yeah. would be a great trip because you know, you go there and there's just something about island time that just chills you out. I mean, you know, oh, yeah, you just you just I just find relaxation everywhere. When you're able to sit out there and 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 you know have a book and listen to music, and all that now now you're more technified because you got all the the gizmos and gadgets and that sort of you know who's watching all that.
1: But it's still good to disconnect, right? I mean, True. island like the the island vibe. They uh, always say, hey, slow down, slow, slow down. down. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and you just remember that, and it's like cool breeze. You know, you just sit down, relax. And they give you that vibe. The hospitality also is very calming as well, right? You know, when they come over, there's no worries. Hey, have your drink. Sit down relax. Is there anything we can do to help you, (laughs) you know, type of deal? I like how you keep breaking into that
2: little bit of uh, uh, accent there, a little island accent going on, man. Yeah,
1: listen, listen. You know, I watch a lot of Red Stripe commercials. Uh... (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, well, you grow up in Florida. You're around, you know, you, I grew up with a lot of, a lot of Caribbean friends you right. know, that were from different islands. You know, one of my best friends, Ricardo Harrison, he's, tr- he, he's uh, Trinidadian. You know, another friend that's Bayesian from Barbados, you know, Puerto Ricans. I mean, you get all of the different flavors of the Caribbean in Florida because they all descend upon there. And it just, you know, you have a little bit more flavor. You, you're like, okay, I can relax. I can be tense, but I can relax a little bit. You know, things are okay.
2: yes absolutely no question about it and they
1: have cool accents too yeah they do they got really cool accents man it's It's relaxing
2: i think the whole (laughs) island thing is just so neat man you know the thing that i laugh at though is when they start talking about having island fever because you know they're, they're cooped up on an island and you're like going but you're in paradise you know what I mean? Come exactly. on.
1: You've got water everywhere. Do you know how hard it is to find water when you're landlocked in the Midwest? <laughs> yeah, exactly so.
2: Oh, my heavens. Yeah,
1: yeah, your water refreshes itself. It's, it doesn't get brown and murky and algae grow because it spreads out, it spreads out throughout the rest of the world. Do you fish? <laughs> Did you fish when you are down there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love fishing. Oh, I lo- I love, I love deep sea fishing. I love sport fishing. Um, you know, my dad and I – my dad, my younger brother, and I, we did a fishing trip one spring break in Mexico, went to Acapulco. Oh, really? And all th- and all three of us caught a swordfish, and then my dad and I caught a four – we caught four swordfish on one trip. Wow. That swordfish, that's a big battle. That, that is a long battle. It's like 40 minutes of oh. just straight wrestling with this fish that has an advantage – I have a line. He has his entire body plus he has a sword attached to his nose. So, yeah. If uh, yeah, so it's like so you're sitting there and you just wait when they run, you just sit there and just wait. Like then I can do till he stops, you know, and then you try and reel him in to get him back and then you wait for him to breach and if he breach, you yank. Breach, yank. Ah. And that was that, that was the way you just got to deal with it. I never okay. never
2: did that. I got a barracuda one time. That was, ooh, oh, that was ooh. a nasty one that yeah. got on the boat. I almost fell off the boat. <laughs> when that, oh, that barracuda God. came into the boat, I was like, I'm trying to get out of the boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why you got to leave them on the side. You got to take the little bottle thing and just bang, hit the side of the head and get them in there. Now, you can't let a live fish in there. Oh, What he are you had, doing? You had giving had a mahi. concussion to a sailfish? Is that what you're doing? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to be impaled. Do you want to be impaled? No, I don't want to I don't, I don't be want impaled. them giving me an involuntary piercing. You know, on my lower extremities. I don't want that. No, exactly so. You
2: know, it's that's funny. I mean, just what can I say? Um, okay, I'm just checking in some things there. All right, here we got, before we go, because we're going to have to make an adjustment because Jerry uh, has been, is busy right now, so we're not going to be able to get hold of Dulek today. But uh, you're fixing to leave today. How yeah. are you as a coach? And we heard from Tom Bradley last segment. How are you as a coach going to work on the fact that we, we, we've talked about tackling. You've got to go with, you know, form tackling, doing stuff like that. But you've got to cut down. If, if you ask me the other big things are pre-snap penalties, you've got to cut down on those because those are killer. Yes. You've got to play a little cleaner with less holding calls. Obviously, we all know that. But uh, pre-snap penalties and finishing the game right because you just can't have, can't have this disparity between first and second halves. Uh, such as the Steelers have had. So what do you do? What do you think?
1: It, it, it's funny, right? And to address the last question first, we complained about them being slow starters. <laughs> right. <You know, laughs> yeah, They had a, like an 11-game streak where we we're like, God, can they at least score? And then now they give us scoring in the first half, and then it's like it dries up in the second half. It's like how do we – how do we spread the scoring butter across the entire piece of toast right you know I mean can we just get something you know and I, I think the biggest thing I think it it, it is an endurance thing and a mental aspect of it where you can't get complacent. I think when you score that early because you haven't scored so early in so long right you're like oh, I did my job all right defense go out there win us the game and it's like right. we'll just take we'll just choose some time off the clock. I think that's an endurance thing because as an offensive line, right, when you were out there, I mean, we remember what, the first half of that game, I think the time of possession was almost like 20 minutes to like nine minutes. You know, and it was like, whoa, they are destroying them, right, in time of possession. But I think the, the offense got kind of got a little tired. And so in the second half, it kind of showed itself. And then defense hadn't played, but you had those two long drives that Seattle, Seattle put together uh, at the beginning of the third quarter and – it kind of messed up the mojo. And then guys are like, oh, we're kind of not in the rhythm anymore. But I think you have to find a way endurance-wise to keep yourself sustained, whatever you got to do on the sidelines, keep yourself amped up, but stay locked in. I think that's the other thing. And you have a lot of young players that you're also trying to get them to focus in. And it's a lot more physical at at this level than it is at the collegiate level. So you've got to figure out how to keep the, the entire team engaged and ready to battle. If you haven't played enough, okay you you got plenty of energy left but if you have played a lot how do we sustain that and i think that's the biggest thing is endurance and just kind of cross training right it's getting the extra work in after practice running those extra sprints after you've had a longer or more physical practice than you're used to getting that in so you know how what your threshold can be later in the game make sure that you have just a little bit more gas than the other guy across from you <laughs> you know <laughs> if he's feeling bad i want him to feel worse than i feel
0: that's you true know what I'm saying? <laughs> And that's, that's always true. the
1: goal. You can't let off the gas pedal. I think that's kind of where they have to find that balance now that they're scoring earlier and more often.
2: All right. We're going to leave it at that because we've got one more segment to do. You're in the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood forward store on ESPN Pittsburgh
2: and Steelers Nation Radio. Alright, we're back. Max and I are having a good time all morning long. It was great. We had uh, the Coach Tom Bradley in and uh, we're going to wrap up here with a little bit of the phone calls. I think we've got uh, let's see, we got CR. we got CR here, Steelers Nation Chicago. Let's go to the phones. Let's do it.
3: Hello, hey, Cr. What's going on, guys?
2: We're what's doing going good.
3: Till next guy, we really appreciate you guys giving us a couple of minutes of your time. Go ahead, Juan. Say hi. Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all
1: doing? Doing good. Doing doing, doing good. Yeah, you guys
3: sound like you're rushing. So, uh, you were talking about the uh, uh, people that making contributions as far as the rookies. Uh, I've got the. I just want to mention a, a couple real quick, and I just give them some points. Uh, uh, tight end uh, Pat Faramus was graded out by uh, Pro Football Weekly at seventy four point one. Uh, center uh, Green was graded out at sixty eight point seven. Uh, running back Harris was graded out at sixty seven point zero, and uh, Isaiah Lautermilk was graded out at seventy four point two.
2: Right, we were talking about yep. that earlier. You were there. You listened, right?
3: No, I was. I was. I was taking notes, but I was. Ugh. I was on the game. That's why I'm bringing that to the table. Uh,
2: well, we okay. already talked about it. Now I will tell you, I, I'm impressed with the rookies thus far. They've made some great growth processes. You know, they got to continue on that upward vein. I'm really excited about two guys that really kind of – I'm excited about are Loudermilk and uh, Trey Norwood. Trey, I yeah. think everybody – you know, you go into the season, you think his contributions are probably going to be a whole lot. Well, they've been a lot. You know, Isaiah yeah. Loudermilk. <laughs> You know, Max, I look at Loudermilk and I think, boy, that big body, what he's capable of doing is he gets tempered to the NFL uh, way of playing. It's going to be, I think he's going to be a good player.
1: No, I completely agree. And I, I think, you know, when we look at the offensive players, obviously their, their contributions are felt because they've been starting since day one. But it's more so when you're talking about the back end defensively. You know, we talked about this earlier. Isaiah Loudermilk is behind Chris Wormley and Cam Hayward. When you talk about all the injuries to the D-line, it's been to just the nose tackle position. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and Stephon Tuitt obviously being another, another D-end tackle type. But that's where, that's where the biggest need has been. So Isaiah Loudermilk has kind of been spot duty to give the other guys a spell when Wormley and Cam can't go. But when he is in there, you know that he's in the game. And I think that's the that's the biggest mark of a rookie, especially on the defensive line in this type of system. I'm noticed. I stand out. I'm accounted for when we talk about the game film. I have a contribution in there. And then D- D- Trey Norwood. I mean, what he's done, you know, with all the wide receiver sets that come out on the offensive side, you know, for him to be in that nickel and dime personnel and have some big plays. We talked about he only played 15 snaps last game. But three of those fifteen were big plays that we all remember as big moments in the game that helped the Steelers a, sustain, you know, build a lead and then also sustain that lead in those moments and then help be a differentiator when it came to the outcome at the end of the game. So I just look at that and I say these guys are getting it. You know, we're talking about that. There's five rookies right. that are that are making major contributions this early and you know in the first essentially third of a season.
2: What do you got what, what do you say what do you got going there guys
0: Juan?
3: Yeah, yeah I agree with you guys and also at Lottimoke, he he's starting. he looking a little little bit like Cam here, Like like his body type remind me of Cam here for frame. So what you guys say about that?
2: Well, let him push some cars in the off season. All right, that car pushing yeah. is one of the best exercises you can do. Seriously, I'm I'm not I'm not being funny about this. It's a great exercise because it will automatically teach you how to be in the proper leverage position. To be able to move that car, and I think one of the things that Loudermilk is going to be able to do is use those long limbs when he learns how to lock out and be able to have that bend of the knees and hips and so forth and use his strength and stay square. This kid is just going to – I think he's just going to keep getting better here as he gets stronger.
1: Well, and he's got the frame to build on it, yeah. right? It, it, that's the other thing. It's not like he's maxed out when he came here. I think he still has room to grow. And like you said, those locking levers are very important. And truck <laughs> pushes will get you there because, you know, one of the things we used to do in the off season out here, which right, we'd push an F-250. And mm-hmm. we'd have two linemen sitting in there, and it and it had a little bit of an uphill grade. So you were happy when it was a downhill grade push, but you also were in misery because you're like, Oh God! I got to push this back. So yes, that teaches you that kind of leverage that you need, not only as a defensive lineman but as an offensive lineman as well. Because that's sometimes you're going to get the stalemate. But how do you get the advantage on that stalemate? Um, you know, as a as an offensive lineman, but defensive lineman that allows you. When I talked about how you have to engage with one player and throw your hips into the other player to maintain that that two, that double gap or two-gapping responsibility, that's huge, and I think that's something he's still got to learn. But like you said, as a rookie, seeing the instinct stuff kick in is really nice, and it's going to bode well for the end of the season.
2: You know, one of the things I always think about when Mac starts talking about putting hip in was Casey Hampton. I was doing a TV show with him. Big snack. Big snack. And he, show, he was showing me the process of taking on the double team. We were walking through it for the TV and so forth. And he threw his hip into me. Mitch, you know, I was already how many years retired. <laughs> and just the hip going into me, I was like... That hurt. <laughs> that really hurt. That was like a tree trunk that just slammed into like an oak tree just slammed into my hip. Oak trees don't move, but this oak tree did move. That and that's because that oak tree was Casey Hampton. That hurt, man. I'm telling you what. That's, he is he that's is a, a, side that that's a side of beef. That is that was a with side the of beef. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Anything else, C R and Juan? Okay, Juan, what you got and I'll close it
3: out. Hey Wolf! Hey Wolf!
2: Don't take advantage of weigh-in Wednesday now. <laughs> hey, you. we got we got Victory Monday, which turns into no way in Wednesday. So you know yeah. what, brother? I will see you next uh, next week after after we got a whole week off again because there's none next week because we got no game. It's a bye week. Twofer. It's twofer. a twofer, baby. Twofer. Yeah. Yeah
3: that's, what I'm yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Don't take don't take advantage of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't Thanks, fellas. Hey. In the meantime, and in between time, here we go, Steelers. Here we go. All
2: right, fellas, thanks so much. Appreciate you. And, you know, it, it, it truly is, you know, what we're talking about, the ability, just finishing up on the thought process, of taking on the double team. It's not everybody thinks it's all in the lockout, which it's, it's a great part of it. But it's also being able to use that hip to throw and, and be able to take some of the edge off of the, the, the post, or not the postman, but the drive guy. Because the drive guy yeah. is the one that makes it move, you know. You got to whack yeah. that guy over in front of the the postman, and if you you know you do that, that's your job. But if you throw that hip in there, like Casey, oh man, that's uh, yeah. that's a that's that, brutal.
1: A whole a whole lot of backside on Casey. Hampton. <laughs> you know, that's, and then not a lot of hitting surface as well. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, because he
2: you know he played with the low leverage. And he was, yeah. I mean, he was so thick, I couldn't even believe. I mean, his thighs had to be like 38, 40 inches, something like that. I mean,
1: well, they were ridiculous. He was the, he was the only nose tackle i ever seen that had, like, the two abs up top. Yeah. You know, and a big dude. I'm not seeing at, And he literally had abs, defined abs. Yes. at the top. And I was like, that's built different. I'm like, you're a yep. squatty body, but you're also this humongously strong guy as well. And that's what made... Hamp's so good, and you know, I hate he didn't get the recognition, I think, nationally mm-hmm. because a nose tackle and a three four is not really right. given the opportunity to make plays. But he made so many plays easier for everybody else because you knew that one equals two when Hamp's in the game, meaning one guy is going to take up two guys, right? Every play that he did, and if you have the unfortunate duty of hitting him single. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're going back. So any a gap dive is gone. It's gone. It's gone. And the full. And if if you don't get that guard with help, he's going to take out the fullback, and then that just blows your lead up. So that was something that made him so special. And that's what you know. You look at other guys, and you're like, man, they're doing a good job. Like Tyson. Tyson had a good knack for being able to eliminate two guys. Yes. When he was in there, and that made him special. And that's where. That, and that's where I think we kind of get a little like frustrated and we want to push the curve against isaiah bugs because we're like we know you have the physical tools to do this he does that's the problem he does exactly it's like god when is he gonna get it you know don't get turned away on a single block like you should make them say we have to double team this guy because i can't do it by myself because i'm getting destroyed yes and that's what he has the capability to do but it's it's also about the mentality and also the maturity to understand how to do that and stay in leverage and not just use athleticism. Because this is at one point where technique outweighs athleticism on the D-line is at the nose tackle position.
2: I would agree with you exactly on that. You know, the in- impressive thing about it is when when it's done right, when you see a Hampton, when you see a, a Alu Alu working the nose tackle and so forth, it's it's a fist fight, like, unbelievable. Those guys, they play with such great technique. But when it's not done right, then you start to see the Alex Collins of the world just able to rip up the A-gaps um, and, yeah. and, and be able to – because the linebackers are sitting ducks. If you don't have that guy up front that can absorb and eat up some of those gap spaces and some of those big hogs. Those linebackers, look at you got Gabe Jackson, three hundred and fifty-five pounds or something, at 330, 335, whatever it was, you know, coming up on a on a Showbert, on a Devin Bush unencumbered, you that you, you just can't have that. You've got to be a guy that makes those double teams have to be sincere efforts at double teams it can't be like the pope blessing you as you go by you know hand on you and touch you and then go up to the second level this has got to be coming off and you got to put some effort and crunch into double teaming
1: yeah it's it's like you can't say you've been blocked my son yeah (laughs) (laughs) nope you're not you're not allowed to hit that you're not allowed to hit that linebacker because i touched you already (laughs) yes exactly yeah you you froze You're, you're you're frozen exactly dibs dibs, dibs dibs i got you i got you <laughs> we are nerds together aren't we I, I know i know we we're actually we're we're, we're verging on dorkdom right now
2: <laughs> that's true that's yeah. true but uh, we we seem to have some other people that are involved in it too because we have yeah. the ninjas and it's you me and we're going to be back again we're going to do this all over tomorrow and folks we thank you so much for joining us uh we will be back tomorrow and uh, max as always thank you for joining us i appreciate you in the valley of the sun
1: that's right i'll hold my sun disc next time don't worry about it well if i'll have it for the next one but now thank you enjoy the rest of your day and steelers nation thank you once again we appreciate it
2: we'll see you tomorrow thanks